Where is the T-top capital of the world? Are Grundings falling out of favor? Carolina boats and tow rail guys. Spooner Bay Lodge in Andros, Bahamas. And did twerking originate in the Bahamas? All this week on the Real Guy Podcast. Clear the airways. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. Skipper Gentry this week on the Real Guy Podcast. Before we get started with him, let's do Sport My Review. This is where we give a free t-shirt for the best review on Apple Podcasts from the week before. This week, we got Joey D 516 with a great review. Joey writes, Captain Jeff has done more for coastal communities with the podcast than any activist or government official has ever done. He takes the South Florida POV and makes it relatable, even to us Yankees. Not just for fishermen, if you keep it real and give a hoot about your coastal community, this is a must listen. Run that dog. Well, thanks, Joey. I really appreciate the review, and we'll be sending you out a new Real Guy Podcast t-shirt. Now on with the interview of Skipper Gentry of Spooner Bay Lodge out of Andros, Bahamas. All right, guys, welcome to the Real Guy Podcast. I am down here with Skipper Gentry and your favorite, Norm Beckoff. <laughs> and we came down here to do a recording with um, with Skipper. Where? Where? Light, are we? Oh, we're in Lighthouse Point. Capital of the world. That's right, Lighthouse Point. The, the T-top <laughs> capital of the world. There is, that is awesome. Per capita, is more T-tops in Pompano Beach than any place in the world. And Grundins. And Grundins. <laughs> and what? Grundins. Right. How Grundins. That's right. Who the hell wears Grundins? It's freaking eighty degrees out all the time Slick out here. Slick calm, eighty degrees. Gotta have Grundins and boots on. Gotta have your Grundins on. You're support, they're supporting the piss out of the Grundins. Yeah. Are, are, are orange Grundins or orange Grundins falling out of favor? Yeah, it, now it's all it's now it's all about the white. Well, the orange is a colder, thicker gauge material, so they're like for colder climates. Oh, because the only green ha- is the same. Yeah, see, I only have the orange. Have you? Yeah. When was the last time you saw yellow Grundens? I've got a pair. Do you? Yep. You're dating yourself. Yeah. What is that like a collector's item? That's, or that's pretty. That's yeah. that's old school. That's antique. That's that's IGFA. That should be in the museum. <laughs> yeah. So skip. You by, does people call you Skip or people? People skipper? in the north or, usually call me Skip. People in the south, Skipper. Right. So whatever. So I told I told Norm I was coming up here, and I think he got a little bit like. I think his, his mind started racing with the Carolina boat and the tow rail and everything. <laughs> so when we were out fishing the other night, I mentioned that hey maybe Norm. Right. Right. And then he got all fired up. And was like, oh, Norm, Norm, and then he was asking me if you were coming. And but I think you two guys, you know, with the, we've met before. Well, but did the whole having Carolina boats and then having and being into tow rails and everything. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where if if you see one, you know one. Well, if you bring two kids to a party, right? Yeah. And everybody else is three years older. Those two kids find themselves. Yeah, yeah birds of a feather. You know, something like that. Right? Yeah. That's something ca- like that. That's kind of like you two guys. Toe yeah. to rail, <laughs> to rail guys. Toe rail well, guys. Let me ask you a question. We're, we're sitting on uh, the new boat. The new boat. The new yep. Carolina gentleman. And Jeff, I think you had asked me if the old boat also had a tow rail. Oh, yeah. I thought so. That was a Billy Holton, right? Yeah, Billy Holton. Okay. Yep. He's still alive, doing well. Talked to him the other day. Really? Yep. That boat's under contract, so... 
that did not that that didn't take long. It took me I two days online. Huh? Two days at you know posted it one day. The next day I had four offers. Okay, so for everybody out there, we're talking about Carolina boats, right? Well, you guys okay. are. I'm just kind of listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking we're talking about Carolina boats, and I think that's you know I I met you in the keys you came up to me in the keys you were sniffing around looking at the boat while i was fueling up yeah yeah that's right worldwide Uh, worldwide yeah that's right that's right and uh you know it's you never know who you're gonna meet and i think somewhere along the line on one of our podcasts you said it that you really don't see a lot of carolina boats like south of palm beach right right no you just you just don't see a lot of them not as well it's like bertram territory and hatteras and all the all the New Yorkers and their Vikings bring their shit down here, so we got a shitload of Vikings. Yeah, but they're from Long Island. Speaking of New Yorkers, when I'm fishing with um, Skipper the other day, he, he he told me what a halfback was. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what a halfback is? A halfback? Yeah. Halfback. That's So everybody from New York and New Jersey moves down here, and then they realize it's pretty much just like it is up there, but just warmer. Yeah. So they go halfway back to New York and end up stopping in North Carolina, South Carolina, those areas. So we call them halfbacks. Halfbacks. Yep. I'd not heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> we got the halfbacks coming up there. So so remember I told you I had a friend that did that that bought the house yeah. in the Carolina. So I went down to dinner with him uh night before last and um I said, Oh, I was talking about you the other night. I said, There's a term I want you to I, I want you to uh learn and he's like, Oh yeah, what is it? I said, You ever heard of a halfback? And he was like he's like, Yeah, he goes, I'm a halfback <laughs> He's like someone up in the Carolinas explained to him that he was a halfback. Half yeah. well, where are you from? Moorhead City. North oh, you're from Moorhead yeah. City. I said I saw your dad's old boat over the years. You know, it's it was sad. a yacht basin. Now it's a Bach Marine for the last couple of years sitting on the hill. Yeah, it's well, it's not at Bach anymore. It's not. No, it's uh, they took it out of Bach and it's they splashed it somewhere. Damn. Somebody said it's somewhere in Moorhead City, but I don't okay. know really where exactly. But they said it's in the water now. It's probably back at the yacht basin then. Probably. Yeah. I don't I don't know. That that was what happened to that boat is so sad it's not even funny. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to the boat? Well, uh my old man had a forty four Ricky Scarborough right. built nineteen eighty four. And this boat was just absolutely beautiful. Now back then, uh the Carolina builders were not known for building high quality finished boats right, more okay commercial and so what was happening was is a lot of guys like my old man were going up there having a boat built having basically uh the shell mm-hmm. and the engines put in the generator put in and then running it down here and finishing it down here yeah because okay. most of those boat builders started out as charter boat guys that's right at Oregon inlet and moorhead and hatteras and they build themselves a boat you know you got right. real watermen up there they build themselves a boat and then they use the boat to go fish and make a living and so like Paul Spencer, Randy Ramsey of Jarrett Bay, all those got John yep. Bayless, all charter boat captains. And they built themselves a boat. And then the guy next to him wanted a boat. And they built him a boat. And before long, you know, where they were just building boats in the wintertime, they started building boats full time and stopped charter fishing. Right. And then guys from down here and all over the world said, man, that's a pretty boat. They're efficient. They look good. They're dry. And they serve the purpose really well. And now, you know, there's a whole, they're all yacht finished, they're all over the world. Right, and and they weren't, but at the time, because they were all charter boat guys, all of their boats were really, you know, basic boats, okay? Most of them were, back in the day, most of them were single screw boats. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, my boat was actually the first Ricky Scarborough to be built 
to get a diesel engine in it. Okay. Really? And that was in 1977. And uh, most of these guys, they started under a guy named Omi Tillett. Okay. okay. There was only a couple of guys that were really building uh, boats there. And Omi taught everybody how to build a boat. I mean, Omi was basically, yeah. he was... I love Domi. He was the god. He was the oh, he yeah. was the he was the swami. Says the prayer every morning on the fleet. Right Absolutely. Out. He helped build my boat with Billy Holton. Okay. He hand it for, you know little bits here and there, but he was there helping yeah. build it. Hmm. I mean, he was he was he was unbelievable. I I yeah uh, I was I worked on uh, the Mary One, mm-hmm. which was the last boat that Omi was credited with having built. Right. Um, so, that boat was I want to say that boat was like an eighty four an eighty five boat. I could be wrong about the year, but I worked on it in eighty nine, and I mean. I'll go anywhere in a Carolina boat. Oh yeah. You know, so, Skipper, tell us, um, tell us how uh, how you got so boaty and how you got into all the boats. Was that was it a family thing? Yeah. So my dad, uh, you know, was into it pretty pretty big. Uh-huh. He had a marina and Bertram dealership. Built the first dry storage marina in North Carolina. Um, so I was, you know, thrown into it. He had a Bertram dealership. So. Uh, I mean, I would do, we'd go down to Miami, get boats when I was like two. And then we'd go to Bimini and, and throughout the Bahamas. I fished the Hemingway tournament in a uh, car seat on the bridge. You know, <laughs> it strapped me in there and watch, I was just sitting there watching, you know. And then I tournament ran back to Moorhead. So I've been doing it my whole life. He was president of the Big Rock Blue Marlin tournament up in Moorhead for a few years when That's, I was your really dad's young. Butch. Yeah. Yeah. So, my father uh, knew your father. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the Virginia, he had the Virginia gentleman way before I was born. Still has one now. So, uh, you know, he's been doing it a long time. So I just got naturally grew up doing it, traveling around fishing. So now that's how I... Uh, so you, you were born into it. There's yep. a, there, yeah. It's the, it's that's what I do. It's the same way. Yeah. It's, 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 um, it's different when you're born into it. Because what happens is, you know, you grow up just assuming that everybody knows what you know. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then you realize, you know, when you get away from your element that nobody knows shit. Yeah. And you know all this stuff. And you can't even hardly speak to them because you guys have well, got a, two different cultures. languages. There's a culture right. of, it, uh, of it, too. Right. You know? Right. There's, there's, there's a culture behind it. And, you know, you either were born into the culture or you weren't. You know what I mean? This is, this is the perfect audience or uh, perfect two guys to have in here because something's been weighing on my mind about boats and the boat building and the history of boat building and i feel like the sport fish magazines have neglected it the boating magazines have mm-hmm. neglected it but nobody tells the stories about the original boat makers and where the boats came from and they just take the latest and greatest and the fastest and they talk about that yeah that's true but there's this huge history and heritage in boat building oh, here sure. here on the east coast and people don't even they don't know it. They don't get it. And I th- I feel like media has let them down. Well, yeah, because, I mean, I, w- we've lost watermen, I think, in a lot of areas of the country. Absolutely. You know, where kids just get a 35-foot center console and a big stereo, and they go out, and that's what they do. Like, I grew up at a 7-foot plastic sport yak boat. My parents tied Oh, two. my God. I had a sport <laughs> yak. Yeah. So we you had did? A, yeah, man. It was orange and white. I had the same one. Yeah. I'm dead serious. Seven foot long. My parents tied an anchor boat. line to it, and I had to paddle it around. I could paddle in that canal. <laughs> and somehow they could just pull me in. You know what I mean? So you got out in the afternoon, have a cocktail, and uh, on the dock, and I'd be paddling around in, in, the, uh, in the canal. Yeah. And I upgraded. I got a trolling motor. 
So the trolling motor, I'd zip oh, around the canal, smiling. Spooner's Creek, and I'd burn them up, you know, and that's that's what I did. And then gradually from that to a 13-wheeler, and then moved on on up, you know, to a, uh, well, every boat a little bit bigger each time. And we were out bottom fishing, not catching spots, and not catching anything, of course. Yeah. And my buddy was like, what's going on? I was like, we go there and spend a week on the big boat, my dad's boat, and we had a little sport yak. And... I was like, we gotta be trolling, man. We're not catching anything, bottom fish. We gotta be trolling. So I just turned my electric motor on, and we start trolling the bottom rigs. You know, little sea striker bottom rigs. I caught a big old Spanish. <laughs> I came back. I'm like, Dad, look what I got. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah. So I just graduated on up. You know. So back to what he was saying about you grow up in it is you start out and you learn. Like, I had boundaries. I could go to the end of my canal. Then I could. There's a cobia hole out in the intercoastal at the end of the canal. Like, I could go to there. Mm-hmm. Man, when I got to the sound, I thought I was like in the ocean going offshore, it. you know, like, so I'm yeah. running around the intercoastal waterway, which is a big waterway up there. Then I graduate, I could go to the port and then the Cape Lookout. And then after that, I could do whatever I want to. Well, t- who were some of, besides your father, I mean, all mm-hmm. three of us, our fathers were, you know, big mm-hmm. influences in, in our lives uh, growing up on boats. But who were, who were your, outside of your, your, your father, who who were you, some of your bigger influences? You know, just our town, our community. You know, it's, it wasn't anybody specific. You know, uh-huh. I kind of did fish on my dad's boat and then my own boat. Um, but our community is like a really good fishing community. Our right. waterfront is awesome. Some of the best boats on the East Coast between Oregon Inlet and Moorhead. You know, those charter boats are all beautiful Carolina boats. Those guys really know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's our whole community that kind of just embraces the fishermen. The, yeah. You go up there, pull up the fuel docks, be a kid, 10 years old, working the fuel dock. You know, nice kid. And he's there. And then he, like, goes and helps guys rig baits, helps the mates rig the baits. So then he progresses on. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's a good it's a good way to grow up up there. Yes, it is. It's it's a sweet it's, little town. It's a lot better than, you know, going and hanging out at the malls oh, or, yeah. you know, nowadays. You know, I think that's something that's missing nowadays, I think. Jeff kind of hit on it a little bit. Now it's all of a sudden we want it all. We want it now. We don't want to learn any skills along right. the way. But, but we just want to buy our way into it. But you guys agree that people don't get the history of boat making and no, the, they the, don't. especially sport fish boats. Well, now these like I got a custom whatever boat, whether it's I don't want to name any names, but some boat popped out of a mold. Like oh, it's a custom contender. I'm like, well, no. It's that's customized. Yeah, you pick some cushions and live wells. A custom boat is, you want it sixty-two and a half feet. They build it sixty-two and a half feet. Right. You know, it's not customized. A custom boat is, you tell them exactly what they want. They build it, and they build it for you. And that's you know, skipper's afraid to upset somebody. I'm not. Well, go ahead. I mean, I'll I'll tell you right. I'll tell you right now. Okay, unless that boat gets laid up, whether it's cold motor molded or plank on frame okay if you if it gets popped out of a mold it's not a custom boat right your viking is not a custom boat your your uh hydrosport custom your contender is not a custom boat well i think i could be mistaken but i'm not um i think my old man kind of had something to do with that because he took that everything he made was custom then he took that 30-foot center console yeah. in the 80s, which was like the biggest yeah. center console ever made or whatever, 
and then he would make people the tower they wanted. Yeah. The colors, the, the, like like Skipper said, he <laughs> customized it. Mm-hmm. That's, there's a difference, though, between but, customizing and no, custom. I get it. I yeah. get it. But what I'm saying is I think at that point, a whole bunch of the fools that haven't been around since day one yeah, yeah. just bought into, oh, it's custom. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then now, you know, there's a gray area, except for the people that actually know, which... Unfortunately, we're becoming like the major minority. Would you think that Moorhead City in that Beaufort area, because I spent a little bit of time up there fishing, and I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. It kind of reminds me of Fort Lauderdale Beach or Pompano Beach in the early 80s. And then we grew out of it. Right. Is that same shit happening up there like it's doing here? Fortunately, we stick out. We have the barrier islands, and we're at the end of the road. Mm-hmm. So interstate, the closest interstate's two and a half hours away. So you you're know, always going to be. You've got to like decide to go to us, and we got water on three sides of our county, which is Carter County. Mm-hmm. So you can't you can't have all this. So you're protected. Yeah, and, and we and don't have the high rises. I mean, it's just it's just not part of the cards. Yeah. Like Hatteras and stuff, you can't put a chain restaurant. You can't put a McDonald's in Hatteras. Gotcha. You. you know, so it's we're. we're so that's we're keeping our that's like our keeping downtown our downtown Moorhead waterfront. You, uh, downtown Moorhead, you can't have chain restaurants down there. That's all out to the west. Right. So you know, it, we're, you go down there, it's still old school. You know, it's just we're growing, but it's all private businesses and local people. Like our town, like for instance, during COVID, one of the bars because of he what he didn't serve food and that kind of stuff, they had to close him down, and he was struggling and. Try to put a hot dog stand out front and things, but you know how permitting is and stuff. The other bar of this competition on the waterfront in the same downtown area, they did a night. All the other bars shut down. Everyone went to that bar. The proceeds from his bar, they gave to the other guy. So you oh, get wow. through. So his everybody bit. is, yeah. you know, yeah, that's a community. It's a community, man. It's that's a good community. place. We don't to have that up. anymore. No, we we don't have that anymore. There was a time we had it. We had it. We did have it. We did have it. Okay, and we talked about that on a previous podcast. Okay, specifically with the tournaments. Okay, but the tournaments have changed so much, but the communities changed so much, and everything's just changed to reflect the community. You know. Right. Hey, listen, I got a question for you because, um, I, I mean, I love this boat that we're this. Tell me, tell me a little bit about the new boat and why did you guys decide to go with this boat versus, you know, the old boat, which seemed to be doing its job just fine what why did you guys decide to make a move man i don't know i was <laughs> i've kept that boat longer than any other boat in yeah. the last 10 years um we left that boat in the bahamas and we came here on a little boat and uh, to go to costa rica and okay. i was like kelly what i'm gonna do here without a house to work on or a boat to work on for four or five days between the time we got there and go to costa rica well i get looking at boats uh-oh. Just looking. Uh-oh. And this thing, I looked, I was like, damn, this thing is in the neighborhood somewhere. So I kind of looking around. I figured out where it was, went and saw it. Monday morning, we had an offer on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it was just, I was like, it's an enclosed bridge. I called a couple people that I know well that have fished them and everything because I was a little hesitant on that. And we travel, so it's really nice for traveling. Yeah. It also offers two more bunks upstairs. The beds fold out. Okay. And you got a full twin-size bed. It's got a head up there and everything. So I'm like, all right, we can keep more people on here if we were to do bigger trips, extended places. Um, 
But anyway, after talking to people, I'm like, yeah, you know, I can make it work. And if I don't like it, then I'll sell it. Sell it yeah. But uh, the tower's laid out right. It's short enough where I can communicate down. Wait, There's, so you don't need a headset? You don't need the Ronald McDonald starter kit, no. <laughs> and uh, I can talk to them. And most of the time, I really don't have to talk to my mate. Well, you, you're not a headset guy? I'm not a headset guy, no. Clay's a lot of headsets. Clay guys. knows what he's doing down there, and I, I, he knows what I'm doing up there. We don't really have to do much yelling and what back the, and forth. You got, uh, <clears throat> all right, don't talk past the audience with the headset guys. People can barely get the toe rail guy. Now, let me explain <laughs> what a headset guy is. <laughs> These sport fishes have gotten so big and so fast yeah. and loud and everything else that the poor mates and the guys running around the boat and the captain have to use headsets in order to communicate because the boats are so goddamn big now. And the anglers, too. And Yeah, everybody. Yeah. They're all headsetted up. Yeah. It's like half gaming, half sport fishing. Right. And um, to me, there was a time when I think that sport fishing boots, boats outgrew themselves. And I know why they outgrew themselves because it's a better business to make an 80-foot boat than it is right. to make a 50-foot boat. My opinion... When the boats get over 58 feet, there's a whole dynamic change in the fishability right. and the way you run it and the yep. way your mates work and everything else. I agree with that. You guys yeah. pretty much yep. agree? Yeah, absolutely. But I do think that when you get your crew right, you really don't need a headset that much. I mean... So are you saying that a lot of these headsetters are guys that don't quite... They're not quite gelled yet? Well, I don't know. I see a lot of really good teams with them on there. I shouldn't uh -huh. say that, but I see a lot of people taking pictures on the ride out with everybody on the team is on the bridge, and you're riding out. Why do you need to do whoa, that? Why do you whoa, need the headset? I, I, I got it. These fuckers are sporting the piss out of their headsets. Yeah. <laughs> I get I mean, it. I'm, so people, turn the clicker off. Turn your clicker off. I'm like, listen, man, the clicker is my communication. I'm backing down on a fish. I leave the clicker on. People cuss me for having the clicker on, but I'm like, if I'm backing down on a fish... <clears throat> And I hear the angler. I can tell how quickly he's gaining line. Right. If he starts getting tired and slowing down, I hear that slowing down. So I, like, decrease the speed that I'm backing down on the fish to keep that line tight. I don't need a headset. And probably the guy's not going to tell me, I'm getting tired. I'm going to slow down. You know, he just stops reeling. He just stops reeling. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's my way of knowing what's going on. And I can look at Clay, Clay, and be like, and I watch a rod tip. The rod tip's getting a little more slack. You know, less bend in it. I stop backing down as fast. Yeah. If you could see it. So, I mean, I get it for like, let's say you're docking in a tight air and I can't see the mate on the side of the boat or whatever. That right. might come in handy in an enclosed bridge. But on the on the fishing aspect, I'm not there yet. Well, do you know where you got like serious brownie points in the Real Guy Network? <laughs> no clue. <laughs> let me tell. You. Let, <laughs> let let me tell you. When you brought. The Carolina gentleman to Lunkercon. <laughs> yeah. And he come up the New River and he pulled up in front of the downtowner and he steps off the boat and he's like, Okay, We're I came here. I came to Lunkercon. <laughs> that's a ballsy move. We spent the night there. We're like making a night of it. That's class. That's, yeah. that's a and and it's a ballsy move because there's only just so much room right there. So I mean, all you needed was one thirteen foot whaler, and you weren't coming. Uh, we'd have found a spot, you know. <laughs> uh, we all, I, look. I'll take a boat anywhere, anytime. Like, I mean, I love. That's why you have a boat is to go places in it, take your friends, spend the night. Absolutely. I mean, I that's agree. what I do. Right, I so, mean, that's so, what I do. So, yeah. All right. So good. That's a great segue. Speaking of going places, how in the world did you end up Beaufort, Moorhead City, to Andros? Just kind of try to connect. Yeah. Try to connect the dots because when I started to get to know you, mm -hmm. that whole Andros thing started going, and then I'm watching and I'm like, wow, that's cool. And then the the 
house and everything come together and then i see you over there chilling and then doing your thing and i kind of picked it up late like i had no clue what happened before that so you know we're up in moorhead doing our normal thing fishing and whatever and i was like maybe let's just go down somewhere i had a little 36 1985 some old 36 hatters i had jamie chadwick down in harker's island taught me to build a build a hard top so i put a hard top on that was fancy um and so so anyway i said let's 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 go down there and and fish a little bit and that's when guy harvey did the outpost in big game club right and i was like hey man we're thinking about coming down there he said well why don't you be our charter boat i said well i'm not staying down there i'm just coming for a little while i don't want you to put any effort into me that it's not going to be long because i plan on being back up there for big rock uh that you know which is first week of june so get back in april may um, April starts our gaffer season up there, but uh, anyway, got down down there and running charters, and I was never left. My buddy said, "Hey man, uh, are you coming back?" I was like, "Well, I don't know why." He's like, "Well, I'll rent your house if you're not coming back." <laughs> so I said, "Well, you want to move out of it because I ain't coming up there to move me, my stuff out." So he moved all my stuff out for me, moved in, ended up buying the house. Oh wow! But uh, so there you go. Then I, I stayed down here and just kept fishing and kind of one thing led to another and now we got a little place uh over on north andros which is uh if you're familiar with the pocket area in chubb key sure we're am. directly across the pocket from chubb uh i mean i was we were backing down on a fish one day kelly was on the back porch and she calls me up she's like are y'all backing down on fish <laughs> she could see me she's working well, on the computer so cool. see me back and i was like yeah we're we're backing on the blue one now so from the beach on andros the wife can see you fighting the fish oh yeah we can see all the boats they'll run from their side this side we're on the jolter key side so if i'm looking out my porch chubb (laughs) is straight across jolter is just to the um north of me or you know that that direction okay so i've been I, i i mentioned something about this to you but i've i have been dying to go over there tell me a little bit more about spooner's bay lodge all right so we've got two houses uh right now we're just renting the one. We're staying in the in the second right. little one. It's three bedroom, three bath, <coughs> right on the beach. We got three flats boats for the bonefish guys. The Jolter Keys are, I mean, it's like textbook bonefish area. I mean, yeah, yeah. no pressure out there. Beautiful flats. I mean, just it's unbelievable. You fly over. It's one of those places you're like, I gotta get in a skip and run around there. Look, blue streams going through the flats. Man, I mean, it's just beautiful. So uh, and then right off of that is the pocket the area known as the pocket and uh it's just we got the best of both worlds right there we got a little harbor tie the boat up our, our big boat stays in there so blue marlin fishing bone fishing zero pressure and we're out there like i mean you're out there by yourself you're not coming down here to do atlantis you're coming there yeah. like you're sitting on a beach there's no neighbors you know close by dirt it's road tru- it's truly uh, it's it's uh, that true island yeah isolated you're not going to see 10 people walking on no. the beach you're not going to it's it's not that you know there's there's no pigs there there's no stingrays for right you. right no we're it's, it's not that experience it's not the well, we're we're there yeah i was telling i was <laughs> yeah. telling skipper the other night we were fishing i mean i spent so much time over in the bahamas but i never stepped foot on andros i've been out in front of it yeah both sides of it been all around it but never, never on it yeah, yeah never got on there and it's amazing because it's right across from chubb uh, which is probably everybody one of the goes best to Chubb and nobody goes down. Yeah, there's nowhere to tie up there. We're, we're, we're working on that. 
Um, but we got fuel there. So, I mean, I've got... Really? So, we got... So, this is what attracted me to Chubb. I mean, to Andrus, was that we're right there in the pocket. Yeah. We got an airport 10 minutes from my house. We have fresh water. So, most of the Bahamas, you're paying 40 cents a gallon plus 12% bat tax for water. Right. We have a fresh water supply. Uh, there's a harbor with no marina, so I have my own dock. I'm not paying gazillion dollars a month for slips. I got my own dock, freshwater marina, grocery stores, and it's not developed. You know, and this is on Andros. This is on Andros. So we have a freshwater supply. They used to ship out like a million gallons a day from Andros to Nassau. Really? Yep. They exported water on barge. Well, that's yeah. spring water, right? Yeah. Right. So, like I said, most of the Bahamas don't have the all reverse osmosis right so it's really expensive at your docks to you know wash your boat so we have water i love fishing over there it's if if you had to give me one place in the bahamas that i could fish it would be the pocket right there and with spooners bay lodge ideally situated right there i mean that that rental house should be booked 365. Oh yeah, we're we're like we're getting bookings. We have four people this week. Yeah, uh, this weekend. Yeah, I mean, you know, so, so okay. So what's the t- what's the total capacity at Spooners? Uh, six people right now. Okay, we're working our way getting to ten, but uh, right now it's six people. We have a chef, so you come in. It's all inclusive. I mean, USDA prime beef, obviously local lobsters and fish, but uh, three meals a day by our chef. Everything is handled. You pay your alcohol because that could be a killer for me. You know, right, right, some right. people don't drink anything, and then other people break the bank. So you wouldn't uh, have to worry about that with us <laughs> or so, with me. So, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, it's all you just fly in. We pick you up at the airport, handle everything for you. You just fish and enjoy it. Nice. So there, so there's a there's an airstrip right on Andros. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so you enjoy it. Yeah, I love it. You enjoy the business part of yeah, it? Yeah, no, I enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. yeah because our customers are turned into friends. Right. You know, they come back every year. We fish different areas. During COVID, uh, it was really tough because we opened in March of 2020. And then we had one group. Yeah, and then you had to shut down right We away. shut down. And we kept like, oh, this might blow over. Well, by May, obviously, it ain't blowing over. Yeah. So we shut down. We ran the boat up to Moorhead and fished up there for six months. Well, there in Oregon Inlet. And people chartered us up there. And, like, one of our guests from Texas, he invited us. We went down with them for vacation at uh, Port Aransas. Clay and I, my mate, and we just ran his boat. He's like, look, I'll charter y'all on my boat this year. Nice. So he flew us out there, and we took him out on his own boat and stayed stayed in their vacation house with them. And Oh, wow, that's great. Yeah, so everyone's turned into, like, friends and family, and we go do stuff together. And if it's not at Spooner's Bay, you know, like, we'll go other places together, Costa Rica, Mexico, wherever. Now, are you going to take this this boat that uh, that we're on to Andros, or are you going to go to Costa Rica? We're going to Mexico at the end of January, first of February. Okay, and we'll be there for a couple few months, and are, then are you going there to fish or to work? Or fish, both? fish. Okay, so yeah. you're fishing for yeah, yourself. Yeah, we're, we're fishing. Friends are coming down. Uh, all these friends, you know, we've met over the years, coming down fishing with us. And uh, we'll st- still have Spooner's Bay going as well. Right now, we had to make that decision because of what's happened in the past with the, with the lockdowns. Mm-hmm. So right now in the Bahamas, you've got to, you have to get a PCR test on day one. They have three days. And the third day is your arrival day. 
day one, you get your COVID test. You get that back. It's a PCR test, so it's not the rapid. Then you have to apply for your travel visa with the government of the Bahamas. Then you get it back, and you arrive on your third day. So that's kind of... That's tight. That's tight, period. But then you have people trying to plan for the future. Um, And now they've implemented where after 48 hours there, you've got to get a COVID test. So they want to do that in the middle of the day. Yeah. So now people are going to lose that second day of fishing, and then you've got to get a COVID test the day before you come back to the States. (laughs) So with me seeing this, that's why I was like, look, I can't have both boats, all my eggs in that basket in case it shuts down again. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) the charter boats had a great year in the U.S. because of COVID. But us, we were on lockdown, and I mean lockdown. We couldn't leave the house except for two days a week to get groceries. And they had policing. I mean, people were policing it. You could not leave your house. Couldn't ride down the road. Hmm. The grocery stores are closed. So, like I said, with seeing that, I'm like, look, I don't want to put every, you know, all of our boats in one spot. And Mexico is wide open. Fishing's great. So, we're going to Mexico with yeah. this boat, and we'll have our boats there and stuff. Executive decision. Yeah. So, so <laughs> we're out fishing, Kelly and I, just fun fishing one day. And I'm looking up the beach. A boat, a big old green custom boat, Paul Mann's running south. I see him distance. I'm like, I go up on the bridge. I call him. It's Ann Warwick from Pirates Cove. And it was them. I was like, where are y'all going? Mexico? He's like, yeah. I was like, all right, cool. Went downstairs like, Kelly. Oh, I planted the seed. I was like, why don't we go to Mexico? <laughs> We're not going to Mexico. We're going to be somewhere, one place for for a while. Uh-huh. Like, all right. How's that working? So then that, that was Halloween weekend. And I think <laughs> it was. We went to a party. And we're making the jokes. We're not going. We're not going to Mexico. We're not going to Mexico. And I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm this one there. <laughs> the next Friday, I had a slip in Mexico. So we <laughs> took like a week, and we had a slip reserved. So right. we're going to Mexico. That's well, nice. That's cool. Well, just in case dealing with the Bahamian government and having to do international business over here is hard enough without COVID. Oh God. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. No, like, it's, it's, like, it's like not what, easy. What, what are the biggest challenges of having a, a place like that in the Bahamas and, and doing that international business? I mean, it's it's not really foreign investment friendly. You know, I mean, they don't... Don't expect to make money hand over fist. Right. I mean... Well, I thought there was some kind of a... a, a di, di, didn't there used to be some kind of a rule where if you were going to open a business or own a business in the bahamas it had to be half owned by a bahamian now you have to give a percentage to a bahamian okay and so we just give a preferred percentage right you know um you can't get power bills certain like corporations whatever you have to have a bohemian get the power bill it's it's not easy it's not easy at all now they've made it where to buy a car and register a car you have to own property in the bahamas really to just register a car well, so they're making what, a lot though, of these things difficult for Americans that, you know, other we're bringing money there. You know, think <laughs> about the think about the think about this for just a second. If we had similar rules like that in South Florida, can you imagine how we would probably not look how we do today right. with all the foreign investment? Oh uh, yeah, I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing, but it doesn't make it any easier if you're. Trying right. to get something going. There. I mean, you know, we're, there's another games in the northern part of the island bringing people there. Yeah. You know, we're bringing people there. We hire all locals, local guides, local cook. Everyone's local except for me right. and my mate. Right. Um, so, you know, we have a pretty big impact on a small, small area. You know, it's big, easy to be a big fish in a small pond. Right. But, you know, we do bring money. We leave it there. Um, and we help out the community. So, 
Oh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, like we got um, under the Boutique Hotel Act, you can go 10 years, no property tax. And then oh, after wow. that, it's like $20 per bedroom per year. So that's a pretty good incentive. Oh, jeez. I then, guess so. <laughs> but then like I got I got reamed a new one for giving out ice. We got a big ice maker I took over there. And I was giving ice to the, the commercial fishing, the conk guys, because, you know, they don't, they're not going to go buy ice at right, $6 right. a bag or $4 a bag. So if I was out at the harbor, I'm like, hey, guys, you know, here's a few coolers of ice, because I had a 900-pound ice maker. I'm like, oh, man, you're going to get arrested. You know, you, you American, you can't be – I'm like, I'm not selling it. Yeah, just I'm it giving away. it away. Like, well, you're taking business from the ice guy. and, and the, Yeah, yeah. That's, and that's what it's all about over there in the Bahamas with the, with the government. It's about distribution of money, where it goes, who gets it. And the Americans and, and other, yeah. other, 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 you know, a lot of people from Europe and stuff mm-hmm. invest over there. And it seems like the more you try, the harder they the try, more, yeah. it's like a sparring match the whole time. Yeah. And if, you know, if, if you spent time in the Bahamas, you know, I don't know, the first time I went was like 1981. You see the investment. They try. Right. And then you see them, some most fail. Right, right. I mean, dude, that friggin', uh, the canal. What's the name of the canal that goes through friggin' Freeport? For Freeport. Right. I mean, they built a whole community, you know, for 30 miles that never got developed. For, I don't think it's developed today. Right now, it's not. They did that in the 80s. Yeah. And you can go story after story after story. How many times Chubb opened and closed? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And it seems like the only stability in all the Bahamas seems to be on the northern outer islands where the white Bahamians own everything. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Is that true? Yeah, the Abacos, yeah. Look at what Carl Allen's doing on on Walkers. You know, that's going to be... Oh yeah, that's gonna be sweet. What's your gut on the on them opening up walkers again? I think it's great. I mean, well, yeah, I think it's great too. But what's your gut? You a little paranoid? No, no, I'm not worried about that. That's, I mean, that's not, I, not no, competition. It's, it's not. I don't mean competition. What I mean is, I got. I think it depends on like, who I'm, goes there. I'm, I'm paranoid about them opening up walkers because I feel like they're gonna spend all that money, time, energy, and again. And whether it's a storm, or whether it's the government, or whether, yeah. who knows, do pe- are people going to go out of their way to go there anymore like they did yes. in the old days, and I all that so. kind of stuff. But to me, I mean, I'm glad they're doing walkers, because it brings back old memories and right. that kind of thing. But man, I, I just feel like they're rolling the dice. All well, of it is. I mean, one guy know, all, is all of it is. I mean, anybody doing anything out of the, <laughs> yeah. you know, what, it's a one big guy is shoot. doing it. Okay, let's face it. Let's. I mean, let's put the cards <laughs> on the table, and I think they're doing a great job with it. I'm. I'm completely a hundred percent behind it. The only thing that I hope does not happen over there is what happened to Bimini. No, okay. well, no, it's too far away. And well, it's too far away in the respect that. It's not big enough to to have the same thing happen. But what I couldn't stand... Like, I hadn't been to Bimini in several mm-hmm. years, okay? And I rolled in there one day, and it was like looking at Miami. Yeah. I mean, it was Clorox bottles and jet skis, and, you know, it looked like South Biscayne Bay in there, okay? And I'm just like, what the hell is this? And, you know, I, I hope that, you know, I hope the sport fishing community embraces walkers the way it once did 
and that we don't have a whole bunch of you know you pull in there and there's a bunch of you know sea rays oh yeah yeah and and uh you know light up sandbar boats up in there you know yeah well i think i think skipper's right because it's out of the way it's going to be hard for the sea ray guys and stuff to to even hang out there if they wanted to but i don't know i just every time i see something good happen in the bahamas yeah i'm like all right how long is that gonna last well i mean and chubb's a good example of it yeah how many how many how many people lost at chubb before anybody won right right yeah you know what i mean k pearson I mean, when do they win? Because there's a lot of investment in that. There's a lot of money lost. And it's still going. Yeah. Looks good, though. So, yeah. We'll, we'll see. Um, we're, I'm happy with what we got, how it's working. People you are coming just have there. A slice of, you just have a slice of the life right there, Skipper. I mean, you got... You got this guy goes out there and he catches a wahoo out of the skiff. When are you going to catch a blue marlin out of the skiff? <laughs> it's been blowing this year. That was my goal last year. I was like, I'm going to catch a blue one in the flats boat. Yeah, and it was just we well, never. I mean, got that's that that's, day. that's 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 straight up old man in the sea shit right there. Okay, so Skipper's going to go out there. He's going to go out there by himself yeah. with a camera, with a GoPro, and the dog. Okay. Lexi will go with the dog. The dog will be there, and he's going to he's going to catch a five hundred pounder out of that skiff. I know it's coming. Yeah, that's what we want to do. I it's, mean, but last year it was literally it was like either west wind or it was just honking. Or we were fishing. We just couldn't get a break. Yeah. Yeah. Get, it, get it done. I mean, it was a windy year. It was terrible. I yeah. mean, we caught, you know, we caught fish and stuff. We had fish this year. Some people wanted to fish in August and September. And you know, I tell people, look, man, that's, that's not the time, time to uh, do offshore fishing there. You know, the water's hot. It's just, I, I, I tell my customers that. Like, come in March. Come in April, May, June. And I'm like, well, this is the only time we can go. And we understand that it's a crapshoot. Man, we caught two of our biggest blue marlins back to back. <laughs> we went out and caught like six or seven dolphin. One's a forty-eight pounder and like a five hundred pound blue. Like I thought you said it was gonna be bad. I'm like, what? I'm just trying to help you along. I was like, I thought it was gonna be bad too. This has been epic. This has been a great day. And the next day, caught a sailfish off the teaser, and then the next group came right in. Another big, big blue marlin. Yeah, so well, I'm like, that's what you get for thinking. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. I caught the biggest wahoo I ever caught in my life. We caught right there in the pocket, eighty pounder. Well, yeah. I just, uh, the thing that intrigues me about um, you being over at Andros, it you know not that many people go there. It's not the traffic area, and what happened to the Abacos, in my opinion, in the last twenty years is pretty shameful. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hopetown to Guana, over to Marsh Harbor, is like party central now. Oh yeah, boats running all over the place. Riddle boats, yeah. totally nuts. Like we we were staying at a friend's house in Scotland Key, which used to be way out of the way. Like nobody was around, that kind yeah. of thing. And we couldn't even like let the kids swim far from the dock because we worried about the drunks going back and forth from Nippers to or what was Nippers to um, Hopetown, you know, because the traffic is yeah. fucking traffic over there, you know. And I mean, people enjoy it, and I get it. And they like it, but it's kind of like Fort Lauderdale. You think about what it was and what it is now, yeah. And you look at the direction it's going in, and Andros seems to be somewhat protected from that. We're pretty, no, pretty get, damn protected their, from that. Their, I just don't see it. I mean, no, it's we're out there. so remote, and that's the thing about Chubb. I mean, Chubb's never going to get like that either. Yeah, there's you know? nowhere to do it. It's just this. 
you know, we're a big island. You know, we got Kamala McKee to the south of us, which is like the rich and famous people down there or whatever. Um, but we're huge on, you know, they got hunting on the island. It's the biggest island in the Bahamas, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, people and, don't realize that. What and, are they hunting? Um, hogs, ducks. Hogs and dove, ducks. Dove, quail, some pheasants around. Oh, and the white crowned pigeon. So, white crowned pigeon? Yeah, so it, it's not like a New York pigeon. And we're the furthest spot that they go to in the islands. They're all okay. Argentina and everywhere. Beautiful bird, pitch black. Top half of his head is pure white. Huh. So anyway, I'm getting all this hype about the pigeons. So this year, you know, we're there. And that's the only one that has a season. It, it, like dove, you can shoot any time of the year you want. Right. But the white crown pigeons protect it. So anyway, where my house sits is they're like fly zone. They nest, they, they roost up in the keys off of just the jolters and stuff. Right. And they fly down my beach to like eat and like whatever they do all day. Hmm. It's, it, the sky was black. I'm like, uh, oh man, this is going to be sweet. As soon as the hunting season comes in, you know, I was planning on like, you could bonefish or offshore fish in the day, come in the afternoon. You know, I was like, we'll set up little spots we'll up and down and our turn. beach and you can hunt. Yeah. yeah. Cast and blast. And it was, like I said, the sky was just lit up black. Wow. Second day of hunting season, you don't see one. Really? I was it's like, like snook season. That's my, yeah, I was like, <laughs> it's kind of like the mullet run. They now. know. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm like, what, what mullet run? <laughs> what the hell happened? Because I didn't. People ask me, like, oh, yeah, we want to hunt, we want to hunt. I'm like, let me get a season. I got to figure this out before you, I bring people paying right. to hunt. You know, you could go down the island and get on them. But, I mean, as far as sitting on the beach, shooting off the porch. That's pretty cool. You know, that kind of deal. <laughs> that's pretty cool. You can't do that. You got, yeah. you got opening day. Yeah. And that's about it. And that's it. And you can go out in the skiff, and it's like they fly to the boat. Like, if you're out in the boat and they're flying by, they, like, go to the boat and then over. So I'm like... All right, I'm, maybe I'll sit out here and see that. So people learn some real Bahamian shit, right? There. <laughs> that is real yeah, Bahamian shit. Is, well, I never would have known about that. If I if somebody asks me about a bar or a restaurant or new resort that opens up in the Bahamas, I'm going to puke. Yeah. Like I, this is the last thing I want to talk about. You want to talk about catching a fish? You want to talk about you know your daughter freaking got the biggest lobster <laughs> she ever seen or something like that? Okay, we'll talk. But when you talk about freaking the drinks at freaking Nippers and places like Nippers. Nah. It does. It, 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 just, it saddens me. It saddens me. <laughs> well, people go over there. It's like, it's like what you said. People are coming to Fort Lauderdale anymore now because of the Hard Rock Cafe. They're not going. They're not going. And he's getting trips that want to go in the middle of the day because the they're going to go to the Hard Rock Cafe at night. Right. Okay. What, what, what do you mean you're going to the Hard Rock Cafe at night? You can go and do that during the day. You go to our profession. Right, like night. Okay. They don't get it. No, they yeah. don't. Get, they don't. And, that's, you know? and that was my point. And it was a hell of a lot of people, actually, from the Carolinas that started going to the Abacos. Oh, yeah. There's a, I, I go there and I know everybody. Everybody there is from North and South Carolina. Right. So you get, which, which we had, we always had that in the Abacos, but it mm-hmm. wasn't like, you know, everybody and their mother brought their son yeah. on console. And then you got the Bimini crowd. Getting yeah. over there, then you got everybody that lives from Fort Lauderdale to friggin' Fort Pierce all checking mm-hmm. in the West End. Yeah. yeah, I showed my dad. I showed my dad <coughs> pictures of West End on a weekend with everybody trying to pass through customs. Oh, I bet he was. Mortified. He couldn't believe. He couldn't believe yeah. it. He goes, "Are you kidding me? Is that?" Re-? But first of all, West End was done over, so it didn't look like the old West End. But you know, he got it, and yeah. he was like, "You, you, 
he couldn't believe his eyes. Hey, are you going to do the uh, custom shootout? I don't know. I think we'll be in uh, Mexico. The big one will be in Mexico, I think. I think that, yeah, I think that, uh, that aren't they like the end of April? Or something? Yeah. Like one of the first tournaments. And we were booked, so the boat will be there still probably. And then, but we'll be in Andrews booked. Um, we've had a couple of people reach out to us about it, but I'm not. Yeah, but yeah, we we thought about it. I've had a, a guy, you know, message me about it. But right, we're, we got we're. Uh, I have to look at the dates. A lot of them are in May, actually. I think of Skip's tournaments. It's close. I think they're in May, April, yeah. May. That seems to be like the one that has the most traction now. A yeah. lot of the other stuff just faded away. But the um, you mentioned the wife a few times. How does she? No, not a wife. No, no, girl, not, girlfriend. Not a no, girlfriend. Yeah. yeah, your girlfriend. Okay. Now she. Uh, She's right there with you doing business over there and, oh, yes. and helping out. She's doing, doing a lot of the logistics, all the food stuff, you know, putting all the just all that kind of deal, all that kind of stuff. I'm doing the grounds, all the fishing, all that kind of deal. But she's handling. I mean, we load the boat up with like three or four freezers. You know, we buy all the meat at here in the States and label it, vacuum seal everything. And uh, bring it all over, so we've got, we got control over the quality and because that's like um, a lot of work. It's a lot. I mean, we, we go there, get all the like USDA prime ribeyes and fillets, vacuum seal them. Well, it's like running a it's Restaurant. like running a bed and breakfast. Yeah, is basically yeah, no, what yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. So we load. I mean, <laughs> we load enough for like five months of food. Wow. Well, that, that, that takes a special, significant other to. Uh, no, she does good. She's put up with a lot of shit. <laughs> well, I just, yeah, no, I, I, you know, like I've heard you mention her, you know, a few times, mm-hmm. you know, when we're fishing, and then tonight, and I'm thinking to myself, it's like, man, you know, that's that's not for that's not for most women. No, and like she likes to fish too, um, so you know, wasn't she sponsored? She she had a big sponsorship there a while back. Pelagic, yeah, Pelagic, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, she's a Pelagic girl. Yeah. So, yeah, I met her at a uh, at the Palm Beach the Blue Water Babes tournament. So I was like. We, were, we came back here to fish it. We had a different crew, and I knew some of the people in the boat she was on, and uh, they didn't have a slip at the main, like the main marina at Rybovich Center. And we were, like, right there at the front. I said, hey, uh, it was rough as hell that day. And they were on, like, a center console. Mm-hmm. So I texted my friend. I was like, hey, if y'all want to tie up next to me for the night, go ahead. I mean, it was a boat full of the girls. I said, y'all are more welcome to next to my boat. You know, we've got... Nah. I'm a very generous person. So <laughs> very yeah, generous. I was just being a nice guy. Yeah. You know, I knew they are tired. He was just being a Carolina gentleman. Yeah. I said, y'all tie up. I got whiskey and pizza and air conditioning. Come on. Yeah. Norm, yeah, you, you know, you kind of got that same trait. You know, a Me? A ni- little nicer to some than others. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Every once in a while, even a blind squirrel finds an acorn. <laughs> yep. So, so 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 where do you see uh where do you see the place in andros spooners bay going from here well we're doing that you know we're we're looking at expanding adding some more buildings we'll just see how regulations are with this covid and then uh we're looking into some other regions of the world to put a boat really so we'll see where that goes in the next year okay so uh nothing to it officially to announce right now but the big boat will be traveling around a little bit this year more um so yeah, hopefully. So you're really digging it. I mean, you're looking mm-hmm. aggressively looking to do more. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I love it. Awesome. When you say the big boat, you have a big boat. No, this and this boat. This, this is the big this boat. is the big boat. But yeah. you said you have. Well, our, we have all our flats boats and stuff. 
in oh, the okay. Bahamas. Right. I, didn't, I didn't think you had another sport fish boat. No. Yeah. No. One, after Saturday, I hopefully only have one. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the guy the came to see trial. Everything went perfect. So uh, just, you know, nothing's done until it's closed. That's, yeah. uh, that boat has so much mojo in it. Jesus. It's, it's, it's like, you know, uh, I, I came across, um, uh, I, I see a bunch of these guys when they're going down to Capos. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I do the, uh, uh, I do the shuttle work uh, out of Port Everglades. So when they load the, when they load oh, yeah. the boats, you know, I, I take a lot of those guys. Yep. So I see a bunch of them guys once a year, once or twice a year. And uh, I saw Jeff Crabtree. Yeah. And he's got Chunda yep. now. And he was smart enough to leave the name Chunda I know. on the boat. That, that was a been there. good idea. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that was a good idea. And I posted something about it. And everybody said, you know. Yeah, I remember seeing the video of that boat back in the early 90s or something. Oh, yeah. In Madeira, a guy getting pulled overboard. Did you see that? Yeah, well, that was, that was um, Stuart. Yeah. Yeah, line leader wrapped around the rod. Yeah, that was totally nuts. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, that boat, the old boat, got. I mean, my GPS. I saved all the numbers when I did the new electronics, and I mean, I got stuff from Colombia, Venezuela, the entire oh, wow. Caribbean, the Pacific. You know, all through Panama, Costa Rica, the Pacific side, right? The entire Gulf, Grand Can- everywhere. The entire from Oregon Inlet, North Carolina to Colombia and Costa Rica. Just lit up numbers. So, so this is how my dad explained it to me. Okay, he says, he says Jeff, he says some big shit's gonna happen in your life. He goes, you might get married, so you might have kids, and then you're gonna have to buy and sell your boats. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> and he put it in that order. Our Same. life revolves around our boats and like where the boat's gonna be. Because when it's in Mexico, you can't. Someone's always with the boat. You know, like Clay, my mate. He goes everywhere the boat goes. I'm like, hey, we're going to North Carolina for six months. All right, let's go. We're going to Mexico for five months. Yeah. All right, that's where I'll be. I, I remember what I wanted to ask you, because you do. I mean, you're doing it. You know, these are your boats. This right. is your houses. Blah blah blah. Does it wear on you a little bit when you see the other sport fishes and you're dealing with everybody but the people that are owning it? Like you deal with the captains, you deal with their mates, right? You deal with their secretaries and whatever mm-hmm. else. But you never deal with the owner or you're not friendly with the owner. You end up being friendly with everybody else. Right. And then the owner shows up and then everybody, you know, drops their drawers to make right. sure he's happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that wear on you? No, man. Not much wears on me too much. You know, we just do our thing. Which is why you can be in Hedros and do business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you got to have, you got to, you got to definitely, you're not, you're definitely not an alpha personality to right. be doing that you no just, you gotta i mean you gotta just roll with it yeah not, we, we do sure, our thing i'm not so sure it'd be for you norm i'm just saying your demeanor is just a little different than skipper's just a little <laughs> just well he's he's far more laid back than i am right he's the right guy to be over but you know what if i live skipper's life with everything that skipper's doing then i'd probably have a hundred off of it too it's jeans it's jeans <laughs> and dna you got no man <laughs> <laughs> look, we ain't, look. We got we got fresh water line, but we don't have running water. Like we got to truck our water out to the house. You know, what I mean, right? It was like, oh, living the dream. I'm like, let me tell you, living the dream. I do more laundry now than I catch blue marlins. It seems like <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a maid. I'm a boat mechanic. I live in. The you got to know how to do it all. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, yeah, we're, that's we're true. Hustling, you got to be. You know? That's called being self sufficient. Yeah, I mean, we're. Well, that's a, that yeah. was the point I was making. It's not for everybody. Yeah. No. It's special makeup to do that kind of thing. Yeah. And then 
just to and then to find uh, somebody like uh, Kelly that'll just right. That's with them. She stepped up really good. Go it's along amazing. with that. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, most women they're not going to sit on an island for six or eight months out of the year. Yeah, they're well, not going to do that. Yeah, she does pretty good. She's like, I need to get off the island once a month, and then next. Next yeah. thing you know, she's there two months. You know, we're doing our thing. But, well, I, uh, island fever is real. Oh yeah, you go berserk. Yeah. At least we can get out and just drive. But like, you just like, we just want to go to a restaurant tonight. Yeah, yeah. And like, there's not really a restaurant right. to go to. Um, it, it, nothing's easy on the island. Right. You know, like you go there and they don't have just milk for a week. Yeah. Or there's not, you know, just the Basics. simple things. Yeah, yeah, the simple stuff. Internet, power. I mean, shit, power, electricity. Right. The islands are still run on diesel generators. Yep. Wow. You know, so like when one generator on the other side of the island goes out, then power sharing goes. Right. So you're sitting there right before your meal's finished cooking, power goes, goes out. Yeah. It's never in the middle of the day when we're out fishing. It's our guests get by. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You know what's good? You know what's funny, though? Okay, is in 30 years. Okay, we're all here. You're going to remember that. And it's because in 30 years, there'll probably be a solution for that. And you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember when. Yeah, you know, I keep hoping it used to be that way. (laughs) Well, there's a there's a. uh, In Treasure Key and in the Abacos, a lot of the people that have been there for a long time. So the worst thing that ever happened there was that you got telephones and TV. Mm-hmm. And they, they missed the days they didn't have that. Oh, yeah. Because everybody acted differently. They yeah. socialized telephones, differently. Telephones, TV, Every- and the Internet. Right. The Internet and, is this. Dude, you met everybody using the telephone because right. everybody would be in a line yeah. waiting to get their call out. So, you know, it was yeah, like, yeah. that was like the social gathering of the freaking island. That's a social network. But, right. And then, like I said, the people that experienced it then miss it and realize mm-hmm. that it, the value and how cool it was not having yeah oh, in fingertips. No a lot of the little high-end resorts zero internet zero tvs except for like in like the main dining area they'll have internet yeah camilla mckee's that way i mean yeah, yeah. none of the houses have internet or televisions it's a good feature i would just like to have my wife for a few days without telephone internet right you know that kind of thing I mean, that's not even a joke. Think about that. I have not been able to hang out my my wife in probably a solid 10 years without the fucking telephone being next door. That's probably why you're still married. Mm -hmm. I'm still married because I can deal with it, but I'm just saying that life is different. Yeah, no, it is. Like, you know, like, so we run offshore (coughs) up in North Carolina somewhere. You know, your phone, you had no service all day. It's nice, man. I'm, I'm fishing. Yeah. I'm not worried about responding. Because, like, people email me or call me. I'll answer. And say, look, man, you know, I'm, I'm fishing right now, uh, you know, with guests. I try not to talk on the phone. With, with guests, I'll call you when I get back in. Okay, that's cool. But I want to make sure I answer the phone. But it is kind of nice. Just doesn't matter where the phone is. You're fishing. You're offshore. You're appreciating it. There's, there's have no you had a chance? Around. Have you had a chance to fish this boat yet? Yeah, like, we've really caught. Fish it? Not, not really. We've. No, we fished around here some. How's it? How how does the? Is it a clean wake? Yeah. Oh, it's super it's, clean. It's really clean. Yeah. And the boat's got a lot of history for fish. Now I got no excuse not to catch anything. Yeah. You so, got to live up to it now. Yeah, I'm like shit. Because <laughs> I mean, 
I was look. I followed the crowd. It was called the Dreaming On. Okay. And uh, they're all over, like I said, the Great Barrier Reef, all over the place. I mean, I've seen backing down on Grander Black Marlins right, and stuff. Right, right. I mean, their program is pretty intense. So I know she raises fish. Now it's up to me to carry on. Yeah. Carry on the I got, tradition. Like, I can't blame anything. All these damn boats don't raise fish. Did First, on your Holton, uh, did the fish always want to come to one spot on the boat? Not really. Uh-uh. You know, it's a Carolina boat thing. I, I Some boats are like that and some boats aren't. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the engine, the harmonics, the boat. Well, harmonics, I think, are huge. It's, a, I mean, it's the harmonics. Harmo- I mean, so there for a while, all, all my ba- all my Marlin baits were long riggers. I'm like, the hell's going on with this thing? Right. So I was getting real frustrated. So when we were up, up north, uh, we hauled it out and got Jim Bercher, who does Jarrett Bay stuff and everything. I'm like, pulled the shafts. I mean, he dials them into nothing. I, re, I built a new shaft, and then they blued the props. You know what that is, bluing a prop? No. So you blew it to your shaft, and this blue, like, the color. Right. So you'll put a die on the, um, the prop, the inside of the prop. Okay. Then you hammer the prop onto the shaft. Then you remove it, and you'll see any imperfections where that prop is not touching the shaft. Okay. And then you can adjusts one of the to, two to tighten up the so hub. it's perfect right, so you right, don't right. you don't have gaps so you know the guy taught me i mean i was sitting right there with him building the shaft so i learned all i mean I, we took the rudders pulled the shafts and we did all this stuff to the boat trying to dial it in dial it in yeah. and this is october of uh 2020 came right back and i was like let's just go troll for sailfish you know with dredges and stuff right and everything's up on our teasers yeah it's like i was like it that's all, all i need in. to know yeah like, and then this past summer blue marlins i mean i've got a picture of a big blue marlin on the teaser i'm pulling it out and he just followed it right beside the boat wow all over the back of the boat harmonics is huge like the the decibel levels and like the low pitches versus the high pitch yeah i mean a diesel that low roar of a diesel i, I mean all I, right absolutely let, let me tell you how i learned about um harmonics right so I'm a mate on a on a uh, 54 Bertram. I'm just a kid. And the 54 Bertram <clears throat> had a bad bearing in the shaft somewhere. And it would squeak a little bit. Weep, 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 weep. As, as they were trolling along. And the captain was telling the owner that we're never going to catch a fish until we fix that bearing. Yeah. And the owner wanted to do one more tournament before we got the boat back here. Mm-hmm. And the captain's like, well, what are we doing the tournament for? We're not going to catch a fish, yeah. blah, 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 blah. This huge fight happened between the owner and the captain. I'm the mate. I'm just watching the whole thing, just trying to soak it all in. The captain walked off the boat, didn't do the next tournament because yeah. the owner wouldn't listen to him yeah. about the bearing. He's like, I'm not going to waste my time and energy. Wow. I believe it, yeah. You know, and that was, and I was like, man, harmonics that important? You know, I'm a kid. I'm yeah. thinking to myself, like, I guess so. You know. Well, you have loose like electrolysis issues, like any of that kind of stuff, and that kind of goes also back to transducers. You know, if you're talking about like harmonics and electrolysis, you know, straight current going through your shafts, your rudders. Well, then all of a sudden you put in a transducer that, like, if you swim under your boat and your trans, it hurts your head. Right. So you got to think how, how that affects the lateral line of a fish, too. And obviously, these omnisonars are not scaring the fish away. But it makes me wonder, like, how electrolysis affects them so much, but then pinging at them. You know, I, that's the strain. I'm glad you brought that up. I just got a new 
Simrad put in my boat mm-hmm. last year. And it's got a 1KW transducer in it. And you can hear that thing from up top. Yeah. Okay. Clicking away. Bang, 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 bang. Okay. And I figured I'm never going to catch another fish with this boat. Okay. And I went out to the balls, started chumming ballyhoos. And I mean, for whatever the reason, it didn't seem to affect them. 20 feet of water. Okay. They come right mm-hmm. up the right up the tailpipe. But it is shooting down, though, too. But I was it's thinking, like, down, Omni's, yeah. Omni, you're hitting them. But most of the fish you catch, a lot of fish you catch, you don't mark. You know, they're coming from over there or over there, not from, like, well, that's right true. below the yeah, ground. Well, and then you got, you know, you got sounds that repel and you got yeah. sounds that attract. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I mean? I think so it's the some knows? total of the boat going through the water and everything that. Everything's going to be right. It's not just any one thing. Yeah. You know. I mean, I knew oh. guys that turn the generator off and the bottom machine once they get offshore. Some guys yeah. that had, you know, it can't be wrong. I mean, what are the fifty-four Bertrams? And that's a that's that that boat still is like a big battle wagon for fifty-four feet. It's huge, huge boat, dude. That was the first boat I ever worked on was a I fifty-four mean, Bertram. You stand in the cockpit of that thing and you feel like you're about three feet tall. I mean, it's yeah. just a huge, big boat. It was, yeah. and it was so ahead of its time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's laid out well. Yeah, it was a. That's a good, but still a good boat. Oh yeah, right, absolutely. You get but a good. I'd have one in a second. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. that's probably if I had to if I had to vote on the best production mm-hmm. sport fish boat ever built. Yeah, it would have to be the fifty four Bertram. Yeah, I agree um, with that. And a lot of these Viking guys from Long Island are going to get pissed at me saying this, but. Long story short, that boat raised more fish than anything I've ever seen. The cockpits of the Vikings are small. Maybe nowadays they've gotten bigger, but like you put a 42 Bertram next to the 43 Hatteras. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. I mean, or the Viking. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the, the Vikings cockpit was like just so small. I mean, I was, when I was looking at big boats, you know, I was looking at like a, a 35 Bertram, you know, the, the 38 Hatter, I mean, Viking and stuff. And, there was two sitting next to each other. The Bertram was not for sale, but I was on the the uh, thirty eight. You talking about the new thirty five? No, Bertram? man. I'm old talking boats. like old. Oh, an old one. Yeah, <laughs> this is no oh, man. New, the new thirty five. <laughs> yeah, no. New thirty five Bertram that's more expensive the, than the sixty three. Yeah, yeah. The no, new th- yeah. That no, this is Bertram this is back is... in the day. So the the, the thirty five Bertram. Yeah. Sitting next to the old thirty eight Viking, I was like, man, the cockpit and the Viking was nothing, non-existent. You know, it was a, right. you sit inside and drink and. Right. Have the dock boat, you know. I mean, they're great, well-built boats, but uh, I've owned one, and I, that's I'm done. I won't have another well, Viking. That was a 48, wasn't it? That Viking was a 43. It was a 43. So, mm-hmm. so why okay. wouldn't you have another Viking? Cockpit, fuel Jeez. economy, and their their construction's great, but they just didn't think about usability. Like, for instance, I go down to the engine room of the Viking, and on the port side was a generator. And the starboard were the, were the uh, batteries behind the engines. Well, on the generator, your electrical end is going to be on the inboard side where you can get to it. Right. Well, you know damn well you can't fix the electrical end sitting there. It's, that's a major problem. you got to pull out the belts, the starter, the alternator, all that stuff is on the outboard side. And a little oh, sound wow. shield. So for me to change a belt, I had to pull it, move the couch. Put it on top of the countertop, pull the carpet up, pull the floor up, and lay on the floor and try to you know, get down there to change a belt. Right. 
got on the next boat, which was my Billy Holton boat, generator sitting right there in the middle. I can sit down next to the generator on the side of it and change the belt in five minutes. You know, the boat was built to go around the engines, to work on it. Everything's accessible, not meant. Right, for it's meant to work on yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. to fish. So let's talk tow rails. Let's talk tow rails. Let's talk tow rails. Well, hold on. Before you guys what? talk tow rails, because I'm going to stay out of this conversation, the tow rail conversation, I'm going to let you guys go head-to-head on tow rails. But before we get into tow rails, right, my favorite thing to do when I'm doing my tarpon charters is when I'm around Harbor Beach, there's this, like, a couple of 93 Vikings on one side of the canal, mm-hmm. and then there's a couple like 90-foot Merits on the other side of the canal. Uh-huh. And I like to tell the clients, which boat do you think costs more? Uh-huh. And 9 out of 10 times, they'll pick the Silver Viking or whatever rather than the Merit. And right. then I tell them that the Merit's like $10 million more. Right. And they're like, what do you mean? How could that be? And it's called the craftsmanship. Well, and then you hear Skipper <laughs> talk about you know those old boats and why yeah. and so on and so forth. But it's just it's funny because everybody would just assume that the one with the flash. Right. You know, it's called craftsmanship. Eh, like eh. the guy we were talking about, the guy that bought my old boat. You know, on the uh, rails on the bridge on the side rails. You know, it's like two half rounds going into each other, all the way down each side. I'm like you know, yeah. Somebody, Billy built each of these pieces you know right. it took him days absolutely weeks to build each it took him three and a half years to build that boat yep you know what i mean like i mean that's you know right that's the difference. all the radiuses in the boat all the walnut i mean it's just there's so much that goes into it and i took kelly to harker's island said look there's there's a stem a, a boat mm-hmm. laying on the ground like for the laying up the keel and all that stuff just laying there in a shed and damn horses are on the back side of the shed. You know, like when the boat's finished, you got to ch- cut, cut tree limbs down to get it out of the... And move the horses out and, of the way. Yeah, and move all the shit out of the way to get the boat down the street to the water. You yeah. know what I mean? You're popping out a Viking in a year. A 92 Viking in what? Just a little over a year? Yeah. Well, uh, that's, you know, uh, that's, uh, that's the scourge. That's the scourge of, of all boat building. Going back to what we were talking about is losing the heritage in boat building. That's the scourge of it all because, I mean, that's why Hatteras doesn't really build sport fish boats anymore. There's hardly a Bertram built anymore these days. You know, there's a couple of models of them. Um, Vikings sort of taking over, you know, taking over the whole market, okay, in, in, in the big sport fish boat business. And it's also the reason why you're... Uh, custom boat builders are so strong even still after all of these years because there's guys that they got to have it now that's him right there Mm -hmm. okay across the way all right and then there's the guys that are willing to wait uh for the right boat to come along Mm -hmm. and or build it right okay and you know that that's that's basically i mean and then you got outboards coming in 50 foot outboards and I thought this was good right into that. I want to hear your thoughts on that. I see these boats. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's a pretty boat. And I look, next picture, there's four outboards in the back of like a custom boat or whatever. I'm like, what? In the, why, why? Like, what? Why? Because you got inboards now that can push a boat 50 knots. 75 foot boat running 50 knots. Speed's yeah. not the issue anymore. No. Why bolt these things? And I don't want to hear maintenance and I don't want to hear fishability. Because when you got outboards, you have six none. feet off the back of the boat, and guys standing on the bracket trying to 
throw uh, the net. You're not no trying to leader a fish or leader a fish. Yeah. Bracket, I'm like, that's not fishability. That's you. You have cannot you, fish around that. Have you seen? Have you seen the wake? That one of those things. <laughs> Fortunately, I have not. I'm glad. Okay, I went. I was over in Bimini a couple of years ago for a uh, manufacturer that I will not. Uh, rep- oh uh, come on, Norm! Don't I, be a no, wuss. I don't know. Um, but uh, at any rate, uh, they're nice people. They build a nice boat, but it's, they're not fish boats. And they were trying to sort of sell this thing as if, as if it was a fish boat. Okay, and so I went over there and I brought a travel kit with me of lures and some other stuff and we put a spread out behind the boat and i couldn't see the lures okay there was there were four this thing had quads and there was there was so much white water behind the boat there was no way we were ever going to catch a fish on a lure behind that boat yeah i mean it just wasn't going to happen i get it live baiting but like I said, I just don't want to hear fishability or maintenance because nah. when I go to the 14th Street boat ramp, I always see a big old center console pulled out of the water so they can change the oil. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you, change you, the oil. You, 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 can't you spun maintain. a prop. You yeah. spun a hub. You did. The, the, why anybody would, if you have a, let's just say you have a half a million dollars to spend, mm-hmm. which in this day and age is not a lot of money. Right. Okay, when it comes to boats. But let's just say you have a half a million dollars to spend. Okay? <laughs> These guys that won't even think twice and they're going to say, I'm going to go get a 37 Freeman. Yeah. Okay? Well, why would you spend a half a million dollars on a 37 Freeman when you could buy my old boat? Or your something. old boat. Yeah. Okay? Which is in better condition than that brand new 37 Freeman. I promise you that. <laughs> okay? Or, you know, an older Merritt or right, a Rybovich right. or something else like that that's been, you know, Palm Beach kept. No, you I mean, I see... And you could go to the, the Bahamas and stay on that boat yeah, if no, you I, want I, to. I, I, I agree with that. The maintenance and the, the dedication to a big boat is different than putting a Freeman on the trailer and let it sit in a storage unit all winter. You know what I mean? You don't have to have the maintenance and the slip and all that. But I'm just saying... Yeah, but that guy's not concerned with that. No, probably not. But you're, you're right. You go to... You, you go to travel. You go to the Bahamas on your center console. It may be a million dollars, 50 feet long. You still got to get a hotel. Yeah. Lug all your exactly. shit into the hotel room. Put your bags and coolers or yeah, you yeah. know under the console. And, like, you're still wet when you get there. Nope. I mean. None of them are on the boat. And you're They just st- send yeah. the boat over and then they. But then you're paying for a 50-foot slip and a hotel. Right. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, if I, I know. had a center console, I'd like I'd like to have a twenty-seven foot center. You know, console. you know what I think it boils down to. We're talking about we're talking about efficiency. We're talking about practicality, okay? And that doesn't enter into the equation. Yeah, no. With right. a lot of these guys anymore, okay? I mean, if you buy a a, a fifty-three foot Swainos, you don't give a damn about no. whether or not that boat's practical. You, you ask just how many speakers be biggest, this have? Huh? <laughs> how many speakers this have? You want to you want to know how many speakers this thing has? <laughs> you want to know how many girls you could put on it? Can you twerk on this? How many cup holders are on the thing? Okay, <laughs> I mean that's what you're more concerned with. You're worried about how it's going to look on the sandbar. <laughs> yeah. You're no. not worried about anything no. else other than just basics, yeah. day in and day out. It, and yes, you're going to hire a guy. Who's going to run that boat anyway? Because you want to but get it's, out there it's, and drink. It's, it's unanimous. I mean, twerking is <laughs> way more 
accepted and it looks better on a on a big center console than I it refuse does on the I, I won't I won't let it happen like, on my like twerking in a cockpit like first of all you can only see it 180 Right, you can't see it 360. When you're twerking right. in a Unless center you have console, ca- everybody can see that. That's right. true. Yeah. Everyone's so on this. it's true. automatically 50 percent better than a sport fish right. to twerk on. That's true. Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the other things besides giant um, center consoles that I get to look at every day. I do get to see who twerks the best. Best. That's on, true. On the intercoastal. That's true. And they're twerking a hell of a lot better in the 305 than they are in the 954. They're far more practiced. And I saw them trying to twerk in Lake Boca. Uh, no, no, no. You can't twerk. You can't. There's no twerking north of the of the nine five four. Well, I'm just saying it's a lot different when you've got a bunch of sixteen year old white kids twerking in Lake Boca than it is having the <laughs> that's 2000, not twerking two thousand dollar a day Venezuelan hooker nah. down in right. Biscayne Bay. Exactly. I mean, you can't. It's like comparing apples to oranges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. <laughs> Let's, hey, well, that got I'm, cleared up. What's, it's like, well, what's, what's the what's world's problem? What's the twerking right scene over there in Andros? You do not there's, want to see it. Are no. They, are they twerking on Andros? No. In, uh, Christmas Eve, there's a lot of twerking. Was there Christmas really? Christmas Eve, yeah. So, oh, God. Go ahead. We got time. I, 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 <laughs> oh, no. So, we're like, yeah, we were there last Christmas. And... <laughs> My parents, my dad had a uh, false positive, so I couldn't make it to like two days later. So uh, we have a lot of friends in the in island. Other words, he was the lucky one. Yeah. So we go <laughs> Christmas Eve. I'm like, let's go find out what goes on in Andros on Christmas Eve. So we ask our builder, Luke, and who's like a, you know, he works for us full time. And uh, yeah, yeah, call my sister Juju up. You know, she'll, you know, y'all do something with her. I'm like, all right. So we call her. Like, yeah, we'll go clubbing tonight. I'm like, clubbing. Christmas Eve and Andros. All right, whatever. You know, we really didn't feel like it, but we gotta we gotta see what the hell's going on. So we get. What time are we gonna meet you out for clubbing? <coughs> oh, you know, about six thirty. It's like all right, cool. Six thirty, we're going out. Six thirty p.m. Yeah. Okay. We're ready to go. It's like all right. So we go to the Devil's Bar, which is by the harbor. Go in there, and everybody's decked out and stuff. It's like mesh. There's a lot of mass and a little. Mesh outfits and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah. Everybody's getting down. I mean, it was insane. Everybody was clubbing on Christmas Eve. It's a very Christian nation, too. And it's like, uh, I thought it'd be like church and go home with your family. And uh, all that stuff. No. Uh-uh. Everybody's <laughs> out drinking the whole time, everything. So, like, all right. So, we were hung over on Christmas morning. Like, we had a big time. We had a big time. Okay. Yeah. So, New Year's Eve comes along and, like, we're ready now. We're ready for to go clubbing. The bars are closed. Everybody, everything is closed on New Year's until about 12.30 after the New Year's rung in. Everyone's at church until 12 o'clock. Right. They've been drinking all day, but they're at church until 12, and then they go out. So, like, 12.30 comes around. I'm like, Dude, we're done, man. Like, I'm, I'm going to bed. You know what I mean? Like, so we yeah, really yeah. get the – but, yeah, the night that you think all the bars will be hopping – Everything's closed. Everybody's in church. They think the Lord's coming back. It's going to be on New Year's Eve at 12. Uh. So my friend Lucan goes, everybody's like this at church, 1159, 12 o'clock, ready to go. All right, we're all good. Let's go out. Uh. So, you know, it's just, yeah. Right. You know, the twerking scene on the, on Christmas Eve in Andros is something to be seen. All right, so you've seen the Bahamians dance over the years. Would you say that twerking was originated in the Bahamas with the Bahamian no. women dancing? I think probably they've got a little bit you more think? experience. I mean, it's kind of 
You well, see a lot of toddlers getting down. I'm just saying, like, you know, growing yeah, I up. I think it's more natural. Be, right. I, I, I kind of think twerking, the, yeah. or, the origins of twerking might have came from the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Miley Cyrus that started that. Miley only wish. Yeah. She, she might have popularized it. My, she only yeah, I mean, could She was partying in the USA. That's it. She didn't. <laughs> make it. She was a party in the USA. <laughs> she could only she, she could only wish that she had the heart and soul that those Bahamian yeah, she women She didn't have get international. There. Hey, I'm not so vain as to think that it couldn't have happened outside the United States. I mean, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, 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 I'm a firm believer that the origins of twerking came from the Caribbean and probably, probably the Bahamas. Good. I think so. Good. I, I'm on that boat. I'm, I'm on that. Right. You see so you see. yeah. <laughs> I just, I let's just, talk. I'm, I'm let's talk. Ri- let's talk. Writing, I'm just writing down the show <laughs> right. notes. I'm let's, just writing down the show notes. Let's talk. So tell me rails. your thing on toe rails. What's what's the toe rail? All deal? right. So the first time that I met Skipper, he comes up to me and he looks at me, and this is when I first got my boat. And he's looking at the boat, and I'm I'm fueling up, and he's just kind of looking around. He's looking around. He's looking around. He looks at me. He goes, "So what are you going to do with that toe rail?" Because remember when I got the when I got the boat, the tow rail was all natural. It was all grayed out. Okay, there's nothing. I had sanded it and then let it go. Okay, because the last guy that had the boat really let the boat go. Okay. And I asked you, you know, because you, you said to me, what are you going to do with it? And I said, you know, I'm really torn. I'm, I'm like 50-50 on it. He, that was his first question. What are you going to do with the tow rail? So I knew he was a tow rail guy from the time. Because when you see a boat and the tow rail's not done, it's either not done for a reason or you're getting ready to make a decision about it. Right. Okay, that's how you know. That was the first thing he asked me was whether or not, you know, right. I was going to do anything with the tow rail. All right. So you see a guy with a tow rail, right? It's an old tow rail and he keeps it natural. There's no varnish on it, no teak oil on it. It's just hardcore mm-hmm. natural. Is that more your style? No. Or would you? Are you like the ten layer of? I like lacquer? the uh, either paint it white or have it varnished. Varnished. Now, that was the dilemma that I had. So I, the last boat was varnished everything. I mean yeah. bulk and the whole. I was like, I can't do it. So doing 120 feet of tow rail was not what I wanted to do with. So. We varnished it a few times. Then we, we epoxied it. You could epoxy it, yeah. you know, which is great until you get a little bit of moisture, yep. unless you've done it right. Yeah. Um, so I was like, look, I'm tired of it. I painted it white. Painted the toe rail white. I know. And how do you feel about that, Norm? Um, you know, I'm 50-50 on it, and okay. I'll tell you why. Control your emotions, please, because, here. Well, you know, here's the thing, okay? When I got the boat, everybody – nobody asked me about anything other than the toe rail. Like, the toe rail was the – big talking point on this boat okay and they all asked me you know uh, all of my all of my charter boat friends said you got to paint that thing white you're gonna hate your life okay and then i knew a lot of guys who were varnish guys you know craftsmanship and everything else like that and they were like yeah what varnish are you gonna use and i just said you know i haven't made a decision it took me a good solid year to make a decision what to do with the tow rail. And so I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I said, you know what? This is, at the end of the day, this is a custom Carolina boat. It's got some history to it, and um, I'm going to honor the craftsmanship and the heritage of this boat. 
and I decided to go with varnish. It looks good too. It does. Look it's, good. It does it's, look good on this. It's all right. It's getting yeah. there. No, he, it, it's. Uh, come on, it needs Norm, a little work you know right damn now. Damn well, you're sporting the piss out of that. <laughs> <toe well. laughs> Everybody knows it. You know it. Don't be modest over there. It's, it needs. It right. needs a few coats. All right. Since I'm with two toe rail guys, teak seems to be the most common toe rail. Is <laughs> that the classiest wood to use for a toe rail, or would you go with like a cherry or something? I don't know if there's. They they build them out of anything but teak. There used to be mahogany. Way, oh yeah, mahogany. That's right. Way back in the day, mahogany was yeah was used. Um, but mahogany is not as durable, right? Because teak doesn't really teak. rot. Yeah, I, I'd say teak is about it. Yeah. So there's not even a um, not a discussion yeah. about that. You just yeah. teak toe rail or bust, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, teak or white, teak or well, you know, you can paint them brown too. Because well, of, they also have this these the faux, faux. I know the faux toe rails. I don't. I can't. They cost the same as a T. I think Billy Chapman did that on the fishbone before this. Really? Yeah. I'm not sure if he did or not. It's expensive. Yes. So how many listeners on the Real Guy podcast do you think is even going to be able to relate to you two guys when you're talking about the difference between the Vikings and the Bertrams and the... Depends on what we're talking about. I'm just saying, what do you think the percentage is of the... 10%. 10% could relate? We need to have these guys come fish with us. That's that's a good idea. Come out. You know, we travel around. We'll go wherever. I always say, look, if someone's paying the fuel, like, I'll go anywhere. Like, if you want to do an extended trip, like, if you want to say, hey, we want to meet the boat in Mexico and we want to go to Grand Cayman, hey, we'll do it. You just pay the fuel and stuff, I'll go wherever you want to go. I mean, uh, I, I love traveling with it. That's what I like to do. If you'd fish from, like, Cozumel, which is south of Cancun, you know, run down, leave from Cozumel, troll over to... Uh, so the Grand Cayman, fish a little bit, and they can fly out. Next person comes in, we damn run to Jamaica. I'm going to get trip planned out. Kelly's going to be real mad when she hears this. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, I've got it on my Navionics right here after leaving Mexico. Oh, he's, the route, he's, got, the route, the, he's got the route in his phone all already. The way, all the way to go. <laughs> To St. Thomas for the full moon in June, July. Well, you can definitely. Oh, that's 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 <laughs> you're doing the circuit. Yeah, well, that's, you, the circuit that's where right that's, there. that's that's that. You we'll can just... definitely tell what Skipper gets excited about because we've been recording for an hour and a half, and that's the first time he clipped the volume. <laughs> oh, he got yeah. pretty fired up about traveling. <laughs> yeah, anyway. man. So like, I'll go anywhere. Yeah, customers, people want to go do something. I'll do it. Well, listen, if anybody does want to go and really get away, I would definitely recommend. Your place out there, Spooners, yeah. and uh, Andros, because it's an experience that you're not going to get any place else. Right. Um, Skipper's a real guy. The guy's going to take at, take care of you, look after you, to make sure that you have a real guy experience. And you just don't get that very often anymore. Everything's like you know, big corporate luxury type yeah. resorts, which are nice and everything. But it's not the same. No. Yeah. Anyway, no. Norm, thanks for coming down. Skipper, hey. it was a pleasure having you on the Real Guy Podcast. Good times, good times. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And all I can say is run that dog. Run that dog. Run that dog.